In September 2018, some friends and I took a journey through Canada's northeast. The result is the sometime thereafter film and podcast series, which explores memory and the power of traveling under your own steam. If you haven't seen the film, stop listening, watch it now, and then circle back here for the special sometime thereafter episode of Thereabouts Outspoken. G'day, howdy, how you doing fellow sports fans and welcome to the first installment of the Sometime Thereafter podcast special. My name is Angus Morton. Thereabouts has been interested in exploring the various ways sport and adventure impact those who participate in them. In September 2018, myself and three friends embarked on a self-supported journey through Canada with the purpose of getting to know the people of the place we were traveling through and learning what we could from them about living. The trip was an extension of the ride that became Outskirts the Big Land and was a trip that has had a lasting impact on myself for innumerable reasons, not the least of which was the shared experience with my three counterparts. But anyone who has done any sort of self-powered journey with friends will attest What the experience is for each individual is vastly different. We all confront our own demons, we all have our own motivations, and we all have our own strengths and weaknesses. With that in mind, we sat on the footage for over a year before calling up those still willing to hear what the trip was to them and how their lives had been impacted so many months later. I don't have to tell you, a lot can happen in a year. In the first installment of Sometime Thereafter, I interview Nico via phone to hear about the power of journey sometime thereafter. Hey man, how you doing? I'm doing well, what's up? Yeah, how you been, man? I've been really well, I've been really well. How about you? I am groovy. I'm in a hotel room uh, just outside of Sedona. On this little bike packing adventure. I was just thinking, um, dude, I don't think I've seen you since we did, um, since we did the trip that I'm calling you to talk about. No, man, right? the last time I saw you was when we got split up at the Montreal airport. I wanted to talk about that trip. Uh, it's been over a year since we did it. I mean, I, first of all, like, what, what's what been happening since then, dude? Like, what have you been up to? Dude, what a blur. Last year was, this past year has been kind of crazy, actually. Like, um, that trip for me was, like, timed out perfectly. Like, it was kind of like, you know, my way of, like, dealing with the withdrawal I was having from Transcontinental, you know? Yeah. And so it kind of like weaned me back into, I don't know, a a somewhat more normal existence. But, uh, yeah, since then, like, you know, it's, it's funny. Like, I just feel like all I think about is when I'm not on the road is like, well, when I'm going to be, when am I going to be on the road next? You know, like, um, get coming home from that trip, like, 
like the first thing I could think of. I mean, even you and I were sitting in the airport in Lab City talking about like some wacky route that could get us from the end of Alaska into Russia. You know, we're bouncing around all these ideas. Like we weren't even done with the trip before we were trying to figure out the next one. So yeah, this past year has kind of just been constantly just figuring out what the next adventure is going to be. And yeah, man, just kind of, I don't know. I guess I'm in a similar place where I'm just trying to make sense of it, you know? Uh, it's like, I don't know, it's weird. I, I, you know, I have these contracts with, with companies who pay me money to drive my bike for various reasons and, and it's, and it's great and all. Um, but it is, I guess, pretty self-serving, you know? Uh, mm. you know, I'd, I'd like to think that, you know, in, in sharing some of my adventures and, you know, maybe stoking some people out on having adventures of their own, but, you know, I don't know that that is necessarily making something meaningful out of out of all this. So, um, I guess I'm just trying to make, make sense of it all. Is that why you do this sort of stuff? Is that why you go on trips like this, you know? Well, you know, I think for for me... It, it started as a way to lift myself up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, g- growing up, I always kind of struggled with, you know, mental illness and mostly mm-hmm. in the form of like, uh, you know, it's called bipolar now, but like well, I was yep. always just manic depressive when I was growing up and stuff. And, I, you know, I used to do like medications and everything for it. And, and as I got older, I just didn't like taking medications for you know, my, my brain or whatever. And so I, I, I feel like now as a, you know, well into my adult years, I feel a bit more well adjusted in, in dealing with it. And I think for me doing stuff like say like a transcontinental race, um, mm-hmm. it, it was very therapeutic in a lot of ways. And it, it kind of helped me work through a lot of my own things in my brain. Um, and it's, it's brought me a lot of happiness as, as a result. And I've, I've been able, you know, I've been lucky that I've been able to to have a lot of the experiences that I had, you know, via sport. Um, and so I, I just feel like at some point I, that impact has to go beyond just the impact it, it, it has, like, on myself, you know. I do get really stoked out when I get a lot of feedback from people via Internet, you know, people I don't know. You know, I'll get a message from, like, a kid in, like, South America who's like, dude, I saw your video, and I went out and bought my first fixed gear, and now I ride every day, and I love it. I always try and tell them how much that means to me uh, to to hear that. And, and, you know, that little bit is like, it's like, okay, well, how can I make, how can I make that happen more? How can I, how can I take what I'm doing and, and make everybody feel that way or whatever? Like, you know, how, how can I make, the world better you know i think uh for a lot of us um you know there's a lot of just information rattling around in our brains and Mm. some of it's really positive and some of it's really negative but i I think as as humans just engaging in the modern world um we we quiet that a lot you know for better or for worse and 
you know, racing the transcontinental or, you know, for me it was the transcontinental. For other people it might be a marathon or some crazy run through the mountains or something. But, you know, you spend a lot of time in your in your own head and there's there's really no escape from those things that we tend to shut out in our day-to-day lives. Like you you have no, no choice but to, to just kind of face these thoughts, whether they're good thoughts or they're bad thoughts or, there are things that make you happy or things that, that give you anxiety or whatever. Um, and then, you know, anxiety is something that I deal with like on, a, on almost a daily basis. And so yeah. doing something like PCR, for me, just kind of like, uh, it just I, I couldn't run away from those things anymore. I couldn't do something else to distract myself from something that might be making me feel anxious. It's like you spent all this time kind of floating around in your head and living like this really simple existence. Like you wake up, you eat food, you ride your bike, you eat food, you go to bed, and then you repeat it the next day. And it's a very simple way to live. Mm-hmm. Um, so when that ended, I just felt like I was kind of floating in this weird space. Like I had like I'd faced all these, you know, demons or whatever in my yeah. head while I was out there. And then it was like, okay, now this thing is over. And you're kind of just like, you got to go back to the real world, but your brain is still kind of floating in this weird abyss that you were in. You know, my, my head wasn't connected with, with my body somehow. And so coming and joining you out on the road, it was like, okay, this is perfect. I'm, I, I'm not putting myself under the pressure of, of racing this ultra, right? Like I didn't have this like uh, the specter of time kind of looming over me. Um, but at the same time, I was kind of returning to that simple existence of just like, well, all you have to do today is get to point B. And you're at point A yeah. now, you just got to get yeah. to point B. I, I, I think it allowed me to kind of like take a moment and uh, and kind of work some of that out. And when I, when I got home from that trip, I was like in a really good place. Um, much better than I was when I, before I had left for it, you know. You know, I don't I don't really know what it is in particular about like pushing your body mm. um and kind of putting yourself through the ringer that it gives you this kind of like I don't know, mental peace or whatever. Um, but it does. And like it's it's not unique to me, you know, like people get that out of sport. Like it, even if you know I get it out of cycling because well, I I'm I'm into cycling but like you know, kids get that out of basketball or skateboarding or I don't know, whatever it is. Like having, I yeah. think it's important as, we're, like we're physical beings in the world. Like we exist physically and I think it's important for us to be physical. I think that is part of the equation. I feel like I'm learning it We just trying to like uh, look look at it differently. To like look at it as something other than like uh, a sport. You said something really interesting there about the simplicity of of being on the road of doing these things which allows you um, a sort of mental calm. Yeah. Like Our lives what, what are you, so complicated. Yeah. The world is so complicated right now. And, like, I know that's, like, a cliche thing to say, and I'm sure every generation has said that of their time. But, like, mm. our world is so complicated. Like, just getting through the day, no matter who you are, uh, it's a complicated thing. And I think... 
being able to experience something as uncomplicated as like just just go ride your bike and and then get there and then that's what you have to do it's it's good for you it's good to like shed all that excess and then you you also think about like what of the trappings of you know your day-to-day lives what are the actual parts that you love so many things that I love in my life that are unnecessary things that I would be just fine without. Like, I, I love interacting with people on the internet and I love being a social creature. I love, like, I, I know it's, it's such a lame thing to say, but I love being on social media. It's great. I, I love seeing what other people are doing. I love sharing with what I'm doing. I love, I love that, like, you can have a, a, a connection with somebody on the other side of the planet, but I don't need that, you know? And being away from those things allows you to kind of discover what's in, not discover, but uh, realize or what is actually good in your life that you should hang on to. What's it like coming home? Is it, is it getting easier for you to come home? Is it getting harder? It is getting easier for me to come home. It's getting harder to leave. The, the more I'm away from the things that I truly value in my my normal life, I guess, the harder it is to to go away from those things. And what is like? What are you chasing? I guess I don't really know. To be to be perfectly blunt, like mm. I um, I never thought cycling was going to be a part of my life. Like to me, cy- bicycling was like for people who got DUIs. Yeah. <laughs> and then I got a DUI. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Now you're that guy on the like shitty department store mountain bike or whatever because you lost your driver's license. Um, but ironically, I, I discovered something that I truly loved as the result of that, you know. Um, yeah. I started riding a bike in the city and it, it just became something that I was really stoked on doing. So then I became a bike messenger and I was like, well, this is just my life now. I'm a bike messenger. And, I I don't know what it's going to evolve into next, but I I just want to be a person of substance, you know. Like I want to I want to just be more than than what I am, I guess. Yeah. And I I don't know what that is, but I think I right. just want to be a person of substance, man. Really, like, and 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 I think this is something that I'm good at, and and I found some success in it to a degree. So mm-hmm. it 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 seems like. You know, at this point in time, it's it's the best conduit for for doing something good. But what do you think it is about the TCR, about that trip we had in Canada, that has this powerful kind of educational, transformative effect on you? And 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 do you think that that's like why do you think that's so necessary for other people to experience? I think for me personally, um, you know, it's funny, you you tell people about some of these races or some of these rides or some of these experiences and like what you go through when you're mm. having them and, and it sounds like like ridiculous. Like if I described yeah. transcontinental with somebody who like didn't know anything about bike racing or anything, they'd be like, well, why, why would you ride for 20 two hours without sleeping and then sleep for an hour and get up and do that again. Like what, 
what, what's the point of all that? But mm. I push my body to its absolute limit. Like, I get this emotional reaction from myself. Like, I weep when I'm in these races mm. on the bike. I'll cry for like 10 miles about <laughs> nothing. For me, it's like a catharsis. It's like, it's like a purge. Like, it's like, mm. it's almost like shedding a skin and, you know, being reborn in a, in a way. And, and I think everybody can kind of relate to like, feeling like a new person or kind of like, you know, shedding some unnecessary baggage and, and, and feeling better about your life or whatever. But for, for me personally, when I've done these events or these rides or whatever that push me like that, it's like, it's so intense. It's the difference between like, sipping a glass of whiskey and chugging the bottle, you know? Um, and for me, these events are like chugging the bottle. You know, something like a transcontinental race gives that to me. I love that, like, in those races, the wind is almost uncelebrated. It's like it's so anticlimactic. Because it's not the point? It's not the point. It's not the point. It's, the point is what did you get out of it as a, as a, as a participant? Whether you finished the race or you won the race or you're the last person or you had scratch, it's like these events aren't about the fanfare. They're about like the visceral experience. And and I think that's like such a refreshing approach to competition. And I I, I think like, you know, some of the, the big league sports in the U.S. have become such massive industries and they're so overblown like football was my favorite sport for so long and mm. and the actual sport i love it so much but like the nfl has completely ruined it for me the simplicity of just being inspired by an athlete as a kid like it just i don't know i feel like it's lost or something and 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 all the whatever the trimmings and so to do something like transcontinental or like one of these these races it's like this is the pure form of like this is pure it's just you go out there and you do it and if you finish it amazing if you win it cool if you don't win it awesome like it doesn't matter mm. that's not what matters it sounds so cliche like oh well winning isn't important it yeah, sucks you know, to lose your race or whatever. Yeah. It still sucks to lose a game. But it, it, it sucks because of all the other stuff that's been put on sport, you know what I mean? Is there any moments from from, the, from that TransLab trip um, that you remember, like moments you you had that you got something from or that stick out in your mind? I mean, there were, there were definitely a few. One of the ones that... that I think of often, though, is we were on the final stretch, yeah. and we pulled over um, to to have one of our little campfire coffee sando breaks, and we were not far from Gagnon, the like abandoned city. Yeah, um, and we were sitting there, and we saw. You know, we saw, like, nobody out there. And we were sitting there on the side of the road when we saw, like, some Subaru pass by. <laughs> I just remember thinking, like, who's this guy? And then they turned around. 
And, you know, in, in my head, I was like, oh, we're about to get scolded for having a fire. But it was just this guy who was stopping to see if we were, like, okay, if we needed anything. And then we got to talking to him. And he was from Gagnon. And he, like, lived there. And he, like, you know, he grew up there. And he went through, like, the whole deal when, like, that place got... I, I mean, to be honest, I don't even remember why that town doesn't exist anymore. I just remember that it doesn't and that we met this yeah. dude who, like, went through that ordeal. And then shortly thereafter, we rolled up on that town and we we, we started, we pulled off onto, like, the airstrip because I think that was the only way you could, for a long time, get into that town was that airstrip. Yeah. Um, and it was just so surreal, man. Like, we we were on these roads that were just empty and then all of a sudden it was like, well, this now the street, there's like a curb, and then there was like a median, and there was like there was these like remnants of infrastructure, but then like nobody, and it, you couldn't even see where the town was. You could just kind of see these roads, and it just like I don't know. It made such a big impact on me that like this guy was just still around, you know? Yeah. It's like if that like what do you do? Where do you go? You're from the middle of nowhere. And then all of a sudden, your home is gone. <laughs> like, what do you do? Yeah. I guess you don't, you know, move to Paris. You you find a find a way to keep keep living where you're living or whatever. That made a big impact on me. There was another moment that I think of often because it was pretty like educational. Uh, mm. We we're camping in that national park. We kind of pulled off the route a bit and we were riding into, I can't remember the name of the national park, but it was like, it's impossible to pronounce. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it was like a ridiculous. That's right. It was a crazy name. Uh, and we can't, we rode our bikes to the end of this dock and we were hanging out. (laughs) And I think like we rolled like a little jammer, like, had a cigarette or something and you know Sammy's like passport fell in the water she had to like (laughs) jump in and go retrieve it and she got out and then she dropped some other shit in there like had to go back (laughs) in just like filthy harbor water or whatever the oil floating around in but there was this dude and his son who were just at the end of the dock and they were fishing and at first they paid us like no mind and of course we you know we were there to, to meet people, so we started hmm. chatting with them while they were fishing or whatever, and the kid was real funny. He was real stoked on all the fish and all the stuff. And, but, like, they were Acadian, and they lived hmm. there. They lived in that national park, and then Canada decided to make it a national park and kicked out all the people who were living there who were Acadian, who had been kicked out of Canada previously and yeah. before that. And it was like, man, these people can't catch a break. It was just so crazy to me that like, oh man, this dude grew up in this national park before it was a national park when it was like his home. And then he got kicked out. But he still comes back to fish there. I remember going to, and I can't even think of the name of the like cafe um, just before we stayed in that hunting lodge and we rode, it was called like Miss Daisies or something and it was like we had the fried clams 
or something. Oh my God. Yeah, and yeah. it was like, and like, <laughs> and we all ate this like beige meal, and we asked for a salad, and the salad was like this fucked oh, up love. green thing, and like, and we <laughs> ate it, and we just didn't know what to do, and we all like felt really sick, and, and yeah. I just distinctly remember sitting there, and all of us just being like, "What did we just do?" Like it was just like group <laughs> like <laughs> shock. <laughs> yeah. Felt like garbage afterwards. That's right. That was the day when we ended up at that lodge, and that did cook us an, an amazing meal. meal. Yeah, so I remember it's that. Funny, because like I was, I was a bit in the doghouse um, with my girlfriend back home. Yeah. Because she was like, "What the fuck, dude? Yeah. <laughs> like, you're never <laughs> home. Like, I'm home." I've got to do all these regular things, and, like, you're off gallivanting the world. So, like, I was definitely in the doghouse um, yeah. when I came home from that trip. But I got home during the day while she uh, she was getting her master's degree at the time, and she was in yeah. class, and she was in class until, like, 8 p.m. And I cooked her that meal that he cooked us. It was this, the salmon really? with the holiday yeah. sauce over the rice. Like, I cooked that for her. And, like, she came home after, like, a super long day, and I had, like, the table made, and I, you know, I had the dishes out, and it was, like, there, and it was, like, this home-cooked meal. And, like, we both just kind of, like, cried together. Like, it was, like, yeah. just, like, you know, I think for her it was just, like, this relief because I had been gone for so long. So, like, anything that had to get done ever at the house, it was, like, on her due. And she's she's always been, like, forced to just deal with it when I'm gone. Um, like, <laughs> I got home, I was like, oh, I'm going to cook Mary that delicious salmon. I haven't cooked it, that specific meal since, but, like, I just remember, I was like, oh, man, I don't even remember that dude's name. I remember his lodge. It was amazing. But I remember that salmon with the hollandaise sauce over the rice. That, that was so good. What what's the next year bringing? Like, what have you been doing the last year, and and where are you kind of headed? I guess. Like looking forward, when I I think about like where I want to go, or what I want to do, um, you know, again I go back to the like, okay, well, what's what's the point of it all? I'm mm. I, I I I'm signing up for these events and I'm doing them because I I enjoy them. But you know, like, am I just going to keep doing that year after year? Like, what's 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 the point of that, you know? So I do want to think about, like, what bigger picture things, like, what what are all these things? How can I take my enjoyment for these things and, and do something better with them? You know, I had to do community service as a result of my DUI. Um, yeah. And uh, I, like, I got my DUI when I was, like, 20. And then I just mm -hmm. stopped going to court and I hid from the, the system for several years uh, and I just didn't have a state ID and I was living under the radar and I was working jobs that just paid cash and like fully well knowing that I had all these like you know legal issues looming over me or whatever but the point is once I finally started resolving them I was I was well into my adulthood and I was doing bike bike stuff and I was uh, part of my sentence was I had to do community service and so I did it with mm -hmm. this like kind of after school program for um, kids in Chicago uh, out of this place called West Town Bikes. And it was yep. basically just like, it was, it was bike club. They went went to this bike shop after school and there was a, this full back shop and they, 
they learned about bikes and they worked on bikes and then like you know once a month we would do like a ride and you know they started showing up to like the local cyclocross races and some of them got into bike racing and uh some of them kind of just became you know mentors in that actual program mm-hmm. but you know it, it was it kind of inspired me a bit working with some of those kids and so i kind of had this idea yeah. something where like uh the like kids could engage with their communities and, and do something positive but then also kind of like use the bicycle as as a conduit for for doing that because i, I already know that they love bikes and like well, well how great would it be if they could take their this new love that they have for the bicycle and do something positive like in their communities with it i i haven't followed through with that at all but i think about it often and not necessarily like that exact plan or whatever but just the idea of like i don't know maybe maybe helping someone else to to make a positive change in their life through through their love for for sport I mean, I'm going to continue to, to go do bike races and I'm going to continue to go do long distance rides because I, I enjoy those things. But like, I think I just want to find a way to like make what I'm doing have some sort of like importance. Not not importance. That's the wrong word because that, that sounds also yeah. even more self-serving somehow. But like, just have a, a positive impact beyond, you know, the, uh, the immediate like, I don't know why I haven't done it yet. Uh, I could come up with a million excuses, but the the fact is, mm-hmm. I just like I haven't I haven't made I haven't made that a priority in my life. I guess that's that's what I'm realizing yeah. now. There there is like this like kind of collective thought that exists now mm-hmm. because we're all connected electronically or whatever, and and I think I think it's important like moving forward for us to just not think about think about ourselves strictly in the individual sense, but how we fit into the, the greater collective. And and I think if 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 we all start thinking about that more, um, then I think you know, we we really can change the world for the better. It's easy for us to like look at somebody who has like a, a way of thinking that we don't agree with uh as like oh well that person's a bigot and that person's this yeah like well where did they come from and why is that their perspective and like why is that their viewpoint and like maybe if that changed then 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 they wouldn't have this kind of you know negative Mm. perspective on the world or whatever like i think i think it's i think it's important for us all to like consider how everything can impact everybody and uh important for us as as athletes you know or whatever uh who have some sort of a a platform or uh, some sort of a reach you know we don't need to use it as a soapbox so much as we just like need to i don't know find find ways of 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 making using that as as a a vehicle for just doing something good and, and and you know making the world better again. <laughs> Sport isn't something that was invented by the modern world, right? Like, mm. we as humans have always had that. Uh, but even before our world was, you know, hyper-competitive, like, 
we had sport. The competition was just the the medium, but what 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 people can get from that is so much more than like, oh, I'm the best or I'm the worst. You know, like there's there's so, there's so much more to it than that. And like you know it, and I know it. The way it, it sport has become such a, you know a commodity and and like the in the Western world at least. I think it detracts from from all those other things that all that other good that sport can do beyond just the the results. Results are so fleeting. Like <clears throat> your result is only good until the next younger, better looking, nicer, whatever, cooler <laughs> person achieves that result. There's things that that have just such a greater impact and longer lasting impact than a result. But I definitely remember like if I, in any race that I've won, cause it's like you get a, a rush and you get a buzz from that mm. or whatever. And it's, it's super rad to be able to like win something. But like, those are the, the parts of the sport that I've gotten the least from. It's everything else that I've, I've, yeah. I've gotten all these really, you know, important experiences from. And I just think we need to change the way we look at sport because like, we're, we're such a results-based culture, you know, like, oh, how much money did you make? How successful was your business? Like, oh, did your team win? Um, you know, did you get a, get a good deal on that? Like, well, what was your interest rate? Was that too high? Oh, you, 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 you fucked up, dude. You should have gotten lower interest yeah. rate. You know, everything is so results-based uh, in, our, in our society that, like, it's, it, of course, we're going to look at sport that way. But I think it's important to start looking at it differently and seeing how its impact can can go beyond that. You know, I'm certainly no like class warrior or anything, and like I have mm. no problem with people making a buttload of money as long as it's not at the expense of somebody else. You know, mm. uh, but like you know, once we started paying like or we started paying once like like major league athletes started earning like these insane amounts of money. Uh, mm. Like I feel like once you start getting those like $11 million contracts to you now sport is that it's very easy for it to no longer be the other thing. It's like, and then we put that up on a pedestal. And so then, then it's just, it's easy to, also only think that way and it's like oh well mm. well like i i want to play football because i got to get that like i got to get that check man there's so many souls who just get crushed you know when they're like not able to achieve that level and it's like yo that's not what this is all about you know we've just we've just decided that that's what's important dude thank you so much like i've taken up a ton of your time Thank you so much for listening. That is the first episode of the Sometime Thereafter podcast special. This podcast was produced by myself, Angus Morton, and Isaac Carson with Nico Deportega Cabrera. The film, Sometime Thereafter, is available now on the Rome Network for free. So check out the show notes for the link to that. We will be back with our regular Outspoken programming next week. So make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify uh, and SoundCloud as well. 
just search thereabouts. If you wish to reach out, do so through our Instagram at here or thereabouts or via email howdy at thereabouts.co. That's dot C-O. Until next time, from the Rocky Mountain Range, I am Angus Morton signing off. Take it easy, people.